Welcome to episode 85 of the BCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. I'm Brian Fisher. In the previous episode, 84, our guest was Jonathan Bennett discussing executive leadership. This podcast series focuses on the various subjects and topics to help you run a successful, profitable business. They're approximately 10 to 15 minutes long, so you can listen while commuting. Hopefully, you'll find one or two takeaways to implement per episode. Today's episode discusses finding the holes in your sales process with Lisa J. Smith. Based out of Madison, Wisconsin, Lisa Smith is the CEO and founder of Smith Company, a sales consulting firm focused on modern mid-size B2B businesses. A dynamic public speaker and natural trainer, she has presented for multiple audiences in various industries across three decades, most recently as a keynote speaker at the Twin Cities Startup Week. Having spent 30 years selling B2B services in every economic environment imaginable, Lisa has gained a multitude of diverse experiences and improved the financial situation of countless organizations. She's trained in design thinking, finance, business strategy, sales, advertising, and marketing. These skills allow her to spot and reveal the blind spots most B2B companies encounter in their sales funnel. Think of her as a sales sleuth, revealing and removing the obstacles that hold businesses back from realizing higher revenue and growth. Lisa considers herself a COVIDpreneur. She launched Smith Company in June of 2020, and despite the turbulent economic landscape, she reached six figures in her first year. She's maintained that for the last two years consecutively. She deeply understands her clients' challenges because she's been there. Let's welcome Lisa J. Smith. Lisa, welcome to the BCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today, Lisa. It's so my pleasure. Lisa, I'm always interested in people's stories. What's your background in founding Smith Company? I'm sure, uh, Brian, you you talk to so many interesting business owners. Everyone has a diverse story. Mine is definitely not your typical founder story. So it took me about 30 years to get to the space where I'm in now. I started a career in interior architecture, and I did that for 15 years, had a design undergraduate degree. Then I went back to school to get my MBA with the purpose of someday owning my own company or being in the C-suite and switched careers into marketing and advertising. And sales was sprinkled in some of that uh, as well. And then uh, we were in the middle of COVID. And as they say, timing is everything. And I saw an opportunity and I thought, this is it. This is my chance to start my organization because the world of work is changing. And I say that for two reasons. So as a COVIDpreneur in June of 2020, I hung my shingle. And I did that for the purpose of helping executives, primarily female executives, really transform their sales process because they deserve not only to, you know, survive, but thrive. And I knew that COVID was going to impact B2B selling, particular to those who were in a less equitable economic environment, like female and BIPOC executives. 
I also, on the flip side, from my perspective, saw an opportunity to leverage 30 years of relationship building in, in business across the country through the new virtual reality that we were in. So knowing that I didn't have to live in the place where we were working, that went away, right? I took the opportunity to start the company. And here I am. It's I'm in my fourth year. Things are going great. There's been some trials and tribulations, but uh, it's been a wonderful journey. Uh, congratulations. There always are trials and tribulations of being a business owner and being a business founder. Yes. Today's topic is finding the holes in your sales process, and I've really been looking forward to discussing this topic with you. But why does it take both offensive and defensive strategies to win at sales? This is a great question. Thank you so much for being so interested in this because I don't feel like I get a chance to talk about this enough. So here's here's I'm a huge football fan. I mean, if you like any kind of sports, most sports have offensive defense. And here we are in football season. I'm gonna I'm gonna date this a little bit. In B2B, which is where I practice, when you sell professional services, quite often when you think about sales, everyone focuses on the acquisition of new clients. Many of sales activities are about acquiring new clients, doing marketing, attracting new people to your business, where the reality is 80% of a professional practice is typically revenue, 80% of the revenue is typically coming from your existing book of business. So if you've been in business for a few years, your revenue is really coming from your current clients and growing those clients organically. And so I call that the defense part of a sales strategy. So if offense is the acquisition of new clients, which don't get me wrong, you need, then the defense is keeping your current clients happy, satisfied, and becoming actually brand advocates on your behalf. They're going to go and defend you against your competition. So most people think about and spend a lot of time, money, effort, budget on the offensive activities. And I would argue that where that's important, you need to invest in the defense. Well, it's hard to get away from that 80-20 rule. And it, it's hard to lose. It's well, I shouldn't say it's hard. It's easy to lose focus because you focus so much on new yes. that you're letting existing kind of sit over there on the side. And if you don't pay attention to your existing business, they're eventually going to go away. Well, and let's be honest, the market, the noise in the business market is really about, the, you know, the light is shining on new, new, new. What's now, 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 right? And there isn't as much conversation sex sells. There isn't as much that's sexy. A lot of people aren't talking about that side of the business, but it really is the reason why you started, right? Is delivering whatever you do to solve the your client's problems through your unique solution. So I really like to talk about both because you can't win a game without offense and defense. They need to work together. Exactly. And you can't grow if you don't retain. Exactly. On another topic, why should companies shift their thinking from price to value? So this is a really interesting, I find this an interesting topic, especially when I work with female executives. So most individuals, when they start out as a company, they start out really testing the waters and their pricing is about what the market will bear. They do. They might do a competitive audit. They set their pricing. You know, they may have some professional experience working in corporate. Now they're doing their own. They have their own business, and so they tend to underprice their services. 
But in addition to underpricing their services, they tend to also price from a cost-based model and not a value-based model. And let me explain what I mean by that. So most professional services are hourly. They're based on some sort of hourly rate, which is derived in a variety of ways. And people will approach a project. Let's say it's an advertising firm or it's a law firm or it's a it's an engineering firm. They look at the project and they price out what that will cost them to deliver it to the client. Shifting to value, when you start pricing and offering value-based services, the paradigm shifts in this one concept. In addition to wanting to cover my costs, what value are we creating for the client that then we can also recoup revenue on, right? It's a very different way of thinking about delivering services. And value is often related to ROI, but it's not always about revenue. Sometimes value is, I like to give this this scenario. Let's say you're in tech and you're helping a client with a subscription-based service. They're a SaaS company and they need to bring that SaaS to market and they need to grow that. How do they do that? Through membership. We're very used to these membership tech platforms now. So if you can work with that organization to not only bring that product to market, but also, there are no guarantees, but also within a certain time frame, get them to the membership they need to, to be evaluated that they, that they need. So let's say you start from zero, you help them get their membership to a thousand by the end of the year. That's creating value above and beyond just the project delivery itself. Therefore, you should pr- price your services to recoup some of that value you're creating because that's worthwhile to them right? Many things are going to happen when we get that magic membership number. So often when you're you're growing and maturing as a business, businesses don't often think about uh, beyond the cost it, it takes them to deliver a project. I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. We're speaking with Lisa J. Smith, founder of Smith Company. Lisa, what are the five simple steps for companies to reframe their sales process? Sure. I like to talk about this because I feel this is the most common areas where people get stuck. Okay. So for me, the way to get stuck, or maybe sometimes you have, you create a blind spot as you're maturing through your business is I think that often we start and we don't document or create a sales process. And if you want to scale, one of the things you need to do is create some kind of process that then you can train, even if you hire a partner or contract staff, even if you don't do FTEs, so that you can repeat it efficiently and effectively. That's how you can scale. So many people come to me and say, I just don't have a sales process. I've been doing it kind of ad hoc and it's gotten me here, but it won't get me to where I want to go. So I think that's really important. And you can start small. It doesn't have to be sophisticated. I always like to say you can even write down five steps on a napkin if that's what it's going to take. But you need to kind of document what a process is. The other thing I find, the kind of second step is in the top five is really people often are targeting the wrong ideal client or the wrong industry. And if they slightly tweak who they're targeting or they segment their target into two different segments, for example, they will be more effective because it's difficult, A, to find someone if you're looking for a prospect and you don't know who you're targeting. 
It's also difficult to understand if they are your most profitable market if you're not collecting data and your messaging isn't going to be correct. So you might think you're solving their problem in your sales and your marketing uh, content, but if you don't really understand your target and what their true pain is, that might be a miss. So you may be missing opportunities because you, you're not in the head of your consumer. The third thing that I, I like to talk about and I hear a lot, a lot, because people think sales is smarmy. They don't like to be aggressive. They don't want to be pushy. People say, well, I, I'm fantastic. I meet a lot of people. I get a lot of leads, but I'm really bad with follow-up. And follow-up is key to nurturing a relationship because in B2B, this is about trust, right? These are typically long-tail sales. You're solving complex problems if you are in B2B. So follow-up is key to landing the deal. And you, you, you can do follow-up in what I like to call a pleasantly persistent model where you're not being aggressive. But I think we need to remember when we're talking to prospective clients that there are a thousand things going on in their day. And sometimes they just need a reminder of that fantastic conversation that you had with them one or two weeks ago. So it's less about selling and always making an offer. It's more about doing them the service of reminding them of how you might be able to solve their problem more uniquely, quicker, faster. So follow up is key. Sometimes feel, number four, is that because we now have all these incredible marketing and technology tools and platforms, people will rely too heavily on automation. Automation is great when used in the right way, and it can really save time and be very efficient. But at the same time, it can, if you use it, if you overuse it, or you're not using it correctly, you can take away some of that trust building, some of that authenticity and personal connection. And you can um, do the opposite. If you're using it for follow-up, it might be in, in the wrong way. It might be turning your prospective customers off. So it's important to understand where to leverage those tools in order to maximize the impact on your business, but also not losing the focus of what your clients really, really want, need, and desire. Lastly, kind of the, the fifth area that I like to talk about is we don't collect enough or we collect or don't spend time analyzing our data. Data is king when it comes to sales. And, I, you know, we're really good at measuring lagging indicators like revenue. Did we make our quota? Did we make our sales goals for the half year, for the year? But that is activity that's already occurred. I like to work with businesses and encourage them to also track leading indicators. So if you're doing a bunch of activity, what activity is working? What is getting those individuals into your sales funnel? What are some of the things that are going on in the economy that you can pivot to and talk about that gives you leading information about your sales process? Real quickly, the, the five is understanding and documenting a process, understanding and who to target, and if you need multiple segments, really focusing on great follow-up, don't rely too much on automation or technology, and then collecting those data points that are key to your business that can allow you to make decisions in the middle of the year, as opposed to when everything has been booked and complete. I used to use leading indicators a lot. Like you mentioned that sales is easy. The numbers are easy to, to monitor, but we used to monitor uh, number of sales calls, number of quotes, close ratio, yeah. and all, all that type of stuff, just to see what was coming down down the pipeline. Yeah. 
you know, sometimes you just want to know what's working. So if it's something's not working, you stop doing that activity and refocus on what is. Exactly. But you had an interesting uh, perspective here. This is kind of counterintuitive, but why do you think introverts make the best salespeople? It is counterintuitive. And a lot of people make a face like, hmm, whenever I say that. But here's what I'll tell you. I am not the first person to really dive into this arena. I like to quote Matthew Pohl, who's written several books related to introverts, how how to make them better salespeople, how to help them network. I think introverts have some superpowers that those uh, extroverts may may not possess. We have different superpowers, right? I think because introverts, and let's be clear about how I am talking about an introvert and an extrovert. This I talk about them in the framework of how they recharge, how they re-energize. Less about whether they like to talk to people or they don't like to talk to people. That's kind of irrelevant. Introverts recharge by themselves and when they're alone. And extroverts recharge when they're with people. They that, That's how they get their energy. So when an introvert has to go out and be with people, they know that their energy is going to be depleted. So one of the things that they either purposely or just um, subconsciously develop is they're really good at asking smart, open-ended questions to allow the other individual to talk about themselves. And we like nothing better than to talk about ourselves. So that gives them an opportunity to sit back and listen. And so they're now using active listening skills that starts to build trust in a much different way than someone who might be leading a conversation. And so when someone is actually talking about themselves, they're feeling more familiar and they start to feel very heard. So they ask great questions, but because they are also listening, their follow-up questions are very in-depth and and they're really drawing the person in. They end up having a really quality conversation one-on-one. The other thing that introverts are really great at, which helps when it comes to sales, is they're always very prepared. Introverts don't want to get caught off guard. They, They tend to not want to work on the fly. As an extrovert might be extemporaneous, an introvert likes to be prepared. And there's nothing better than being prepared when you're selling, because that means that your conversations and the work that you're doing gets further faster. So I think that they, three superpowers, they ask great questions, they listen very actively, and they are always prepared. And those are skills that anyone who is in any sales activity truly needs. We're speaking with Lisa J. Smith, founder of Smith Company. Lisa, how can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. Best thing is to connect with me on LinkedIn, Smith Co. Sales. LinkedIn, Lisa J. Smith, you should be able to find me and we we can connect and have a conversation and ask questions. Uh, I would love that. My sincere thanks to Lisa J. Smith for joining us today. Managing the performance of your company is one of the most important things you do as a leader. This podcast is on over 20 directories. Subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. In search, type BCF-ORG. Be sure to leave a space between BCF and ORG. Feel free to share this podcast with people who you think may benefit. A strong rating of these podcasts would be appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to me for business consulting or with any questions, comments, ideas, or potentially be a guest like Lisa, please go to bcforg.com. 
there's a red Contact Us button in the middle of the home page. A LinkedIn symbol is on the upper right. Click on that if you'd like to see my profile. All the podcasts are available by clicking on the website podcast page in the reference bar. These podcasts will be released the first and third Tuesday each month. In our next episode, 86, our guest will be Lauren Maffeo, discussing data and analytics management. In business, running a successful, profitable business is the ultimate scorecard. You are never done and can always be better. It tends to be more fun than work, frustrating at times, but can be very rewarding. From BCF ORG Corp., I'm Brian Fisher, wishing you the best. Thanks. Thanks.